it's Tom Stevens, your resident psychotherapist from Reaction Therapy, and specifically the Reaction Therapy Podcast is back once again. Here's Nick Stevens, and today we get a to be continued. Hey, a part two, finally. <laughs> I think it's probably the first part two we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all loved our first podcast on addiction, and so we're, we're back with part two. Um, last time we had specific topics about it that we wanted to talk about today. I just asked y'all, hey, give me your questions. Um, because there's so many questions about, about addiction yep. from last time. So I just asked y'all, Hey, give me all your questions. And so we got a ton of them to get through today. And that's all we're going to be doing is just answering your questions. Speaking so. of addiction, M&Ms with peanuts. That's Tom's. Addiction. No, that's not really. Yours. Actually, it's my wife's. Yeah. She would tell you I am addicted to those. If you put them in the house, I'll eat them. If you don't, I won't eat them, but they're good. What are, what's your addiction? Like food wise. Food-wise, yeah, like chips <laughs> for sure. Chips, like when people talk about going to happy hour, because I'm really not a drinker. Yeah, uh, but when people talk about going to happy hour, you know, we're having a cocktail at the end of the day, or a glass of wine, or something. For me, if you come to our house, you will see multiple bags of chips laid out, maybe some queso, maybe some other dip, and it's like a happy hour. I love chips. Yeah, I would you, probably say my mine's like probably fries i mean that's the most unhealthy kind of addiction you can have not it's not, it an addiction. Is not the most unhealthy well not the most i'm for a food it's not great to love fries so much but you know, i you know the thing's cool about fries though what you actually have to go somewhere and get them it's yeah. not like me i can have bags of chips in my pantry all the time so with fries yeah you might love them a lot but yeah. you're not just gonna go and buy fries somewhere yeah there's there's nothing like at like that we store in our pantry or anything or in the fridge that I'm like, I just have to have. It's mostly things that I have to go get. And mm-hmm. so that does make it a little more difficult to make it like a full on addiction because I just can't do that every day. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> before we get into addiction, let's go. Where am I? Where am I? Noise, but you, y'all <laughs> saw it, but it didn't make any noise. Uh, for our topic of intro topic, uh, it is, Again, right in the middle of summer, just like our last podcast is right in the middle of summer. This is towards the back half of summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how do you think, because we're recording this ahead, how do you think your summer is going to be? <laughs> Let's try to predict oh, I'm the predicting future. ahead? We're predicting the future here. I think my summer is going to be more relaxing in the middle, which is july when we're going out of town (laughs) yeah i think it's stressful now just because work on top of reaction therapy but work especially the type of cases i've got right now which i didn't predict for summer are harder than normal and then i think on the back end when we're moving tony off to college in august that's going to be another ramp up of a lot of activity and possibly you you moving out it's going to be a lot of movement so i would say the summer is going to be like like this it's going to go up with stress down into calm and then up with stress towards the end well at least you get a break in there (laughs) yeah i i'm it's kind of the same for me i mean it's it's different for me because i might be the one one of the ones moving out and so Mm -hmm. that will be stressful for me but also you know exciting uh going on vacation obviously is going to be great going to be exciting but like leading up to it for me i feel that same stress at least for this job because you have two jobs to worry about so i know that's a lot of stress but my stress is going to be making sure that i can relax once i'm there on vacation so i don't 
I want to try to do everything I can to get everything prepared. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't like being like worried about I don't want to be leaving and thinking, oh, I have to do this and this and this. I want to have it all kind of prepared. But that's kind of what I think. But I think when we get on vacation, it's going to yeah. be. First, word of pro- first world problems for sure. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing super. I love my job. You know, I, I don't like the pressure it puts on me at some times because there's a lot of stuff at once. Like I can go into work one day and I can have eight people that I see and it can be a piece of cake. Like things are going okay. And then I can go in one day and have four people and it can be horribly hard. Yeah. It just depends on the different cases. So this, this time of year is normally a little slower and a little calmer, but it's not. Yeah. And that's okay. Cause I love it's what fine. I do. It's all good. And um, addiction's a big part of it. That's true. And there are many more addiction <sighs> elements now than there were uh, 20 years ago, for sure. It's facts. All right. Well, um, like we said, this is kind of like a Q&A session, the entire live stream. Um, so hopefully y'all are ready. Um, if you if you did not get a chance to answer your question, to ask your question, um, should we do part three? Ask it in the comments. We could just keep doing this. Keep doing questions. Um, okay, so here we go. Or I'm just you gonna can go, go to five.me slash reaction therapy. Plug, that is plug, a great place plug. to ask questions. It is set up to answer your mental health questions. It is. And that's honestly a really good uh, tra- transition because mm-hmm. five is definitely a uh, a place that you want to go. It's on the very it's way above Nick's head over there. Right there, that's where it is. Uh, yeah, five dot me slash reaction therapy. You can join for free. You can see uh, people's questions. You can ask your own uh, question, mm-hmm. um, and you get one unlock a month, which means if you see a question that you really are interested in and you want to see the answer to it, that you mm-hmm. can unlock it once yep. a month. Uh, or you can join a paid tier and get more benefits. But anyway, let's go into these questions. Um, first one, these Are we questions. With the intro topic is that what we're doing. Yeah, I didn't want to try this. I'm gonna try it. It's not gonna have sound though. Not gonna make topic of the day. It's all right. Uh, addiction part two. Um, I could also do the Q and A button, but <laughs> I'm gonna have these questions on the screen for y'all as well. So that's a bonus of you know asking cool. a question. You get your name on the screen. Uh, first question, is it possible to rewire the brain after an addiction to make you not think about it? It's possible to re I'm going to use rewire loosely. Like, you know, I'm jump speaking generally jump speaking. It is possible to rewire the brain to stop you from acting on it, but not thinking about it. Like you'll talk to many addicts who are totally better in life. They've recovered, uh, you know, once an addict, always an addict, but they realize we've recovered. There's recovery. There's serenity that kicks into gear and they will still tell you, like, if I think about it and reminisce about drinking or using or gambling or sex or money or food or whatever, yes, I can get carried away with that. So the key though, is when it's put in front of you, if drinking is your addiction and you get recovery and you move years down the road and mm-hmm. somebody's, you know, at a party and somebody's like, Hey, let's have a toast or let's celebrate. It doesn't have the same flair. So it will, the good recovery will stop you from acting on it, but there's always that reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, good. One for one. <laughs> Ding. Uh, okay. This one's really long and I'm, there's, okay. it's a very <laughs> basic, uh, question but there's more to it so this is a question in your opinion why do you think the 12 steps 12 steps work uh the rest of this question is the steps is one of the biggest things that helped change my life i worked with twice 
worked them twice with two different sponsors and I attempted sponsoring others, but none of them finished. My opinion is that it's sort of like a therapy with a sponsor. Uh, though these steps until you go through these steps and tell them deepest, darkest things. And their job is pretty much to listen. I feel like it makes you process things and start to figure things out on your own. I've seen firsthand many people can't go through all the steps because it feels like too much for them to deal with by facing it. So with all that being said, what do you think about 12 steps? Yeah. Wouldn't it be really cool to have one of our podcasts focus specifically on the steps and going through one through 12? Cause a lot of people, here, like the 12 steps or, you know, step work and, and, uh, 12 step programs, but they don't understand all the steps, honestly. And yeah. people just see it as like, you're supposed to just quit like your addiction or whatever it is. But honestly, it's kind of multifaceted. Number one, it's about learning to stop doing whatever you're doing to mm. abstain. Number two, it's about recovery, which means you build a better life with a stronger character. Like you become more honest, you become more uh, reliable, you become more uh, growth oriented. So mm. your character gets rebuilt because it's been destroyed by the time you start a 12 step program. And number three, it is focused spiritually on you having a, what they call a higher power. For me, it's God, but for, for a lot of people, it's a higher power of some sort entity. Um, I don't like it. You know, in the beginning, a lot of times when people go into 12 step programs, their higher power is the group. It is the 12 step group they meet with because it gives them so much of a source of energy. It's not meant to stay that way because that group is not reliable over time. That's why the relationship with God, and originally with the 12 step, it was founded, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the group uh, that that was kind of had it before, but, oh, I wish I remembered. Anyway, there's a great, a great movie called My Name is Bill W, who was the founder of AA, and him and his buddy, Bob Smith and Bill Bob Wilson. and Bill, yeah. So Bill W. kind of founded it uh, alongside with Bob with him, and it's a good movie. It's James Garner, I think, and uh, those two guys I love. Uh, but it's a really good movie, and it was the um, I'm blanking on who it was, but it was founded on the principle of faith and on the principle of spiritual growth, and that you're spiritually void. And so I do believe twelve step programs are meant to do that. Focus people on abstinence, focus them in on recovery, and then focus them in on spiritual growth, a faith piece that allows them to, to, you know, have serenity in their lives. So it's pretty cool. And, you know, remember the first three steps of 12 step, we could break them down simply. I just do it generally so everyday regular people could hear it. The three steps, because you got to realize you're powerless first, right? Like, I can't do this anymore. My life's unmanageable. I need to stop doing this. I can't, he can, I think I'll let him, or the three steps, easiest way to think of the first three. You know, I can't do this anymore, I'm broken. He can, which means there's gotta be a higher power, a source that can help me get through this. And number three is, I think I'll let him, I turn my will and my life over to that power of my own understanding. And so, great to go through these, but the 12 steps, the reason people don't do it is number one, it's very hard. Number two, it takes a lot of introspection and work on yourself. And number three, it takes endurance. You have to stay with it. It's not something you just go graduate and you move on in life. And so I think the stat I heard a long time ago was 93% of people don't succeed at 12 steps. It's a 7% mm -hmm. success rate or whatever. That's why you see so many people come in and out. But sponsors don't work with sponsees, don't work with people coming in 
to be able to help them graduate. Sponsors do it to help themselves stay grounded in how I could go back and be just like you if you're in the first day and I help you and talk to you and I've been in here 10 years and working hard. You're a reminder to me of where I could be mm. if I let myself. So you do this always selflessly and you do this always willingly and me working with you if you're new gives me a source of strength. Keeps you ground. That's the cool part of 12 step. It's mm. based on unity. Anyway, I could go on and on, Nick, about 12 step because I love it. So are you trying to find the movie or what were you trying to? I was just saying the group that the 12 steps were originally founded on that Bill W created, uh, oh. it was the um, Oxford group. It's the Oxford group. I was trying to find it. Yes. That's the group that kind of originally, I think he adapted because he had a lot of drinking problems and he went to the Oxford group. They were super duper religious. Uh, from what I gathered, and he didn't want any part of that. He wanted people just to have, you know, a place and a group to meet with. And so he kind of adapted that into, they were very hardcore, the Oxford group. So hmm. uh, it's just cool. It's a good movie and a good basic understanding of, of 12 Step. It was AA, really. The Oxford group was founded by a guy named Frank Book, Bookman. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know who that is or not. I was trying. I was trying yeah. to add. I don't know anything about it. The Oxford group was just really intense, and they were hardcore, and I think they were more religiously focused. But you know, a lot of the twelve-step program goes on the Bible, and people may not like mm. to hear that sometimes. But it is based off that. When you look at these principles in here, and you look at you know coming clean, like which is repenting from the Bible, you know, in a, in a fourth step, and really looking at your life and and turning it over and talking to other people about it and dealing with character defects. And I mean, it's mm. just all, it all matches up really well. And so it's cool to have a spiritual program. It is a spiritual program and allows people to find a higher power and a connection outside of themselves because most people who are addicts are in control of their, their own God. And so they mm. decide, this is how I'm going to be. Um, and so they're the ones they answer to instead of somebody else. Anyway, let us know if y'all want us to do a podcast on the 12 steps. I mean, we yeah. could do a podcast where you just, just explain each step and kind of what it means. I think that'd be cool. Um, okay. Great question. <laughs> the next question is, uh, kind of, it starts as a statement. You can be addicted to anything. <laughs> what are the <laughs> early signs? What are the early signs and how do you replace the time from the habit? Is it all mindset? My father's thrown away countless bottles and I've thrown away cigarettes, but I always go back and feel guilty. Basically, what's the best way to avoid a relapse besides getting rid of the physical items themselves? I said this to somebody yesterday. I said the easiest way to keep yourself from using is to tell other people all of your secrets, mm -hmm. like the ways you hide stuff, the way you act out, the triggers you have of what makes you want to go use again. Like tell your loved ones these are my patterns, these are my tendencies. So when I have a really stressful day, when I'm all alone, when I have a real high, I wanna celebrate a victory, I gotta raise at work or something, when we get in a fight, when, you know, find the ways that it's Friday night and, you know, I wanna do, find the areas that other people might not know and share them with your loved ones so that they can mm -hmm. be on the lookout for that. Accountability is one of the biggest, being accountable for your active using, but a lot of people don't wanna give away their secrets because it means they have to stop. Yeah. And I think uh, you have to you have to tap into whether you really want to stop or whether you just want to stop right now. You know, I'm just tired of it. I think I need to quit, but then a week later it's like I'm ready to go back in. What was the yeah. first part of that question? 
Where are the early signs and how do you replace the time? Early, from okay, yeah. The early signs are your regular activities, your social interactions, your free time, it all starts to shift towards what that addiction is. If it's drinking, for instance, I use that because it's uh, the most worldwide known. Mm. You kind of start doing your activities around drinking. It's like we can't just go hang out by a pool. We've got to bring a cooler with us. So we can't go to a restaurant and just have dinner. We've got to order drinks. So we got to go back to our house and have more drinks. So you center a lot of your activity around it. And if it's something that you need to do, like in isolation, let's say food, because a lot of food addicts, they don't do it out in mm. public with other people. So they find times to privately do it late at night when people are off gone to work. They might order you know, food and sit in their car. Yeah. So you find private times to do that. So those are the signs like somebody's kind of not doing their normal routine anymore. They've disappeared a little bit more, isolated a little bit more. And so those are the warning signs. And you do have to replace it. Hmm. You definitely have to replace your time, your activity. I remember a, guy, a friend of mine who was an alcoholic. The very first thing he did when he quit drinking was start eating M&Ms hmm. all the time, addictively. Right. But he realized that's probably not the best thing for me. So he switched to Tic Tacs. You know, the little mint, little peppermint things. And he chewed on all those. And then he switched to gum. <laughs> so he, he kept switching Stem around. Switching. But look, in the short term, those are healthier switches than going to another drug. Okay. Uh, next one. I need to quit nicotine, but it seems like it's impossible. So yeah. Not really a question, but just... One of the hardest things to quit. It used to be the hardest until vaping came around. Vaping to me now, from all the young people I've talked to, is, is even harder than cigarettes. Very big withdrawals that come off of that. But quitting cigarettes, brutally hard. And it takes time. It takes patience. There are more ways to do it now with the patches that they have and weaning down off of them mm -hmm. is possible. But you have to replace what you used to do. If you used to sit on your porch, if you used to go out, uh, side your office and smoke if you would stop at a convenience store and get a soft drink and then you'd pick up a pack of cigarettes and stand outside and smoke before you get in the car you can't go to the convenience store you got to stop yeah. doing that go to a drive-thru and get a soft drink there while you're still in your car and drive you got to find ways to keep you from being in that same old behavior yeah i've always heard that a, a one way to really like if you're about to you know, smoke or whatever your addiction is, if you're about to do that, the best way, best thing to do is to leave that area, go somewhere else. <laughs> like yeah. just, if you're yeah. in a situation where like, Oh no, I'm about to mess up here. I need to leave. I need to get yeah. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe your mind will not think about it as much. And Accountability. And part of it is having people that hold you accountable, but part of it is self. Like Nick yeah. said, you have to personally say, am I really willing to make the effort to quit or do I just want to quit now? And then don't hold me to that next week. You have to be diligent and vigilant with attacking it. And you have to know when I need help, I'm going to reach out. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your recommend recommendations for cutting back when you're addicted to social media? And I'll say there's another question. There's another statement that says phone addiction is real. Yeah. I'm going to combine those together. No kidding. That's, so how do you cut back on that? You know, and 20 years ago or a little over 20 years ago, there was none of this. <laughs> there wasn't social media. Before yeah. social media, it's like, didn't have an addiction to it. The problem with social media and the problem with phones and just having them is if I gave you a phone, like the original days a cell phone was around and it was just a, a phone that could call people, 
you would not be as addicted to it. You still could be just from using it, but really yeah. to have to call people and send them. Once social media came out, it gives instant gratification. If you don't like what you're seeing, you go to something else. So it gives a very quick, intense dopamine shot to the brain for people. And what you have to be able to do is one of a couple things. I mean, it's how drastic you want to be. You find a phone that doesn't have those features. And that doesn't mean forever, y'all. Because people who are alcoholics can't ever drink again, but they can be around drinking. So it is possible, you know, remember there's experimentation and then problem and then addiction. Experimentation phases, I'm just trying it out. Problem phases, I'm having a problem with this. I'm having a really hard time stopping this. Addiction phases, I can't live without using this. Or if I use it, I'm gonna go all in. So what you wanna do is either find a phone that limits the features you have so that it really keeps you from accessing that or you practice consciously again tell people your secrets i only am going to use my phone at these points in the day hmm. like i'm not going to i'm not going to check my phone except for 9 a.m 12 p.m 3 p.m and 6 p.m or something like you pick specific times and i get 30 minutes to do it and then i'm getting off so i can check messages phone calls very quick social media and then i get off and you have alarms that are set and you have people that say hey it's time to move on to something else. And you put that phone away. So if you got in the car and you put your phone in the trunk, mm. what does that do? Like you, you don't have access to it. To it. Yeah. So it's really trying to tell people, I tell teenagers this all the time because it's too tempting to grab your phone. Put it where you can't reach it. But you have to know, are you really wanting to quit or are you wanting to just stop right now? Because if it's a problem, you got to do something. And also sometimes, mm. um, and that's just made me think of something that sometimes people can know they're addicted to something and they've done the steps of like telling people, you know, that they have a problem. And sometimes yeah. it's almost like you don't, you don't want to stop, but because other people know about your situation, you want to stop. So they will like accept you or whatever. Like sometimes it's almost like you don't actually want to stop, but you just want to almost prove to the people that you've told um that that you can yeah. stop and it's not like actually you wanting to stop and, and as soon as that person is either out of your life or something happens where they're not really checking up up on you as much then you go right back to it yeah so that can also be a thing addiction's so. really hard because most people don't recover i mean those yeah. are the hard facts Social media, most people are addicted and don't realize it. Not yeah. not most people, period, but the people who are addicted, that's what I meant, don't realize it. Yeah. It's just that's a part of who also. they are. So the easy way to answer that is take somebody's phone away for a day. Mm. <clears throat> See how much access you have to it. You know, you ever go on a camping trip or something where you don't really have cell service or connection? And you kind of just put it away. You'd be amazed at how calm people get, how much their yeah. blood pressure goes down because they're just experiencing life. It's true. All right. These uh, last two questions kind of go together and then we'll have a couple more on our uh, extra episode that we'll mm -hmm. do. But, um, and th that can be, if you want to become a member, um, that's where you can see those episodes. Um, okay. So how, t how can you get rid of, so this, this is word worded differently. So basically the question is having an addiction to a person or an obsession with the person, how, how do you get rid of that? And then the, the flip side of it, any tips of how I can get courage to let someone go? So it's yeah. kind of like 
codependency, so right? Those are two different questions for two different people, but yeah. they kind of go together. So, so the first question was what? How to get rid of a person that you're obsessed with yeah. and addicted to. That's the conscious choice. Remember I said that about like any addiction, like drinking, let's say, you know, it's, it's whether you really want to do that. And if you do, it means you have to do something about it, regardless of what the other person does. So how to get rid of a person means you have to consciously say, I'm no longer going to allow you to be a part of my world because mm. I either I'm toxic for you or I'm toxic for us or you're toxic for me and I need you to not be in my life. If that's the case, you have to place them outside, which means they may still try to get in and you have to be able to say, I'm choosing not to participate. They may text, they may call, they may show up in person. Mm. You have to choose not to interact, to not engage, to get in a car, to drive away, to not respond, to not. You can't just say, well, I blocked them on all this, but I still have them on Snapchat. Like I can't, no, you, you have to delete everything if you have to, to get away from them. So the way to do it is to consciously choose to shut down your world with these people. And what that means, Nick, is tell, remember I keep going back to this, tell other people close to you, Yeah, I'm choosing to not have this person in my life anymore. So please hold me accountable. I'm not to text them, I'm not to send messages, I'm not to look at their social media, I'm not to even ask you, hey, can you check how yeah. they're doing? And that person, if they're close to you, will say, I'll be the one who can help hold you accountable. So if you're wanting to get rid of them and it's toxic, you have to be able to choose that you're not going to allow them to infiltrate you. They may try, mm. but you're not going to respond, react, or engage with them. Okay. Mm. That's the first step because that's, like I said, codependent. It's enmeshed. It's an enmeshed relationship and it will only get worse. It can't get better while you're together. The second side, which is, uh, I think it, what was it? Tell me the second part again. It was basically, um, courage to let someone go yes that courage which is the work that needs to be done is to say who am i with this person who am i without the tendency in toxic relationships is people think of the best they think of the recovery they think of how they've gotten through things they think of wh when they are happy what it's like so they hold on to that instead of the sick and so the courage means even if i'm alone i'm better off than if we're together hmm. and a lot of people think I'm worse off alone. I'd rather be with somebody and have it be toxic than alone. That's a false reality. It's it's way better mentally and spiritually and everything else to be alone, to work on yourself and make yourself stronger and healthier and better than it is to be with a toxic sick person or somebody you get sick with. So hmm. the courage takes steps of talking about it. That's therapy, okay? Getting in with somebody to talk about it and say, Please help me walk through this. Tell me where I'm thinking crazy and tell me where I'm thinking smart. And there's a lot of times I tell people, you know what? Your thinking is really good here. I want you to follow your own advice. And there's other times I say your thinking is toxic. It's starting to get you back drawn into that person. So you better watch out. And that therapy person is there for you. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There was, I'm looking up something because there's a song, a little quick plug for my YouTube channel. No. Uh, but I reacted to a song that had really good lyrics on it, and I want to—I was going to read it really quickly. Good book called Codependent No More, if you want to read that about relationships. Famous book, been around forever. Codependent No More. Uh, where is it? Nick pulling up the lyrics. I'm trying to get these. They're really good. Fire. 
This is the stuff I love to talk about that is absolutely no fun for people a lot of times because it's it's like I know I need it. That's an addiction in itself, right? Is letting go of somebody that's toxic for you. That's why I love the way you lie with Eminem was so good at describing how we're going to kill each other basically, but we're going to do it while loving each other hard. Like we can't we can't exist outside of ourselves anymore. It was it was Angel Part 2. You reacted to Angel Part 1 mm. for the Fast X soundtrack. Um, this second part had Charlie Puth as um, an artist on it. Yeah. Um, and his verse, this whole part about Angel, it says, Angel, don't fly so close to me. That oh, pull yeah. You down. It's kind of that same verse, but Charlie Puth's so verse says, um, be careful when you're on your way out that you won't find your way back to the dark. I'll pray for signs you're doing okay out there and that you're happy wherever you are. We weren't meant to last forever. Someone else will love you better. Maybe now it's time to let me go. Like he's saying that now it's time, time to let me go. Like he knows that they, they like, like each other, but he understands that, okay, we need, we can't do this anymore. Somebody else will actually love you better than I can. That's almost the same way it could be with addiction. Like I love, and it could go to this relationship part, but it also can be addiction. Like, you love that addiction because you got addicted to it, but you have to be the one to know that, you know, we're, it's better if we're not yeah. together. I need to let you go. Anyway, I and just, that's, I thought that's the healthier good. side is him being able to say, I need to let you go instead of him saying, you need to let me go. Yeah. That's what happens in relationships all the time though. You need to let me go. I'm not good for you. Yeah. But it's like, if you're not good for them, then you need to draw a line and say, whether you want to be with me or not, we need to not be together and I'm going to make that happen. Hmm. Doesn't yeah. happen that way. Yeah. All right. We yeah. have a couple more questions we'll do on our extra episodes. So if you want tune to in. tune into that to get a or couple join more. Patreon. Or join Patreon or YouTube, whatever whatever floats your boat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you all for this episode um anything else you want to love say? addiction if you want to do more on addiction let us know if you want to go deep dive into the 12 steps we can do yeah, that as well fun. more than happy to do that all right guys we appreciate y'all and we will see you on the next, next reaction, reaction therapy, therapy podcast, podcast.